he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Matt Zach, BBN here. Joined by two-thirds of my Twitter best friends, we got Wildcat Tongue back in the house. We have 270 Bradley Smith Jr., and Big Blue Bud will just have to be here in spirit, but we are rough to no good. Bradley, we missed a week. We recorded on a, on a Monday, something crazy. Are, are you back to your Mexican eating habits? Are we back on schedule? We are. And by the way, I've, I've just a little rant real quick if that's okay everybody should be allowed one punch of a child in public like <laughs> per year or something just like you you get one you get one because at the booth behind us this kid no joke eight minutes straight is just going mom 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 and the kid's name was jake you know if if your name is oh, jake yikes fix fix yourself but then the mom just starts going jake 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 like don't do that shut your kid up lady uh so that brings me to my general point you should be able to punch one child in public a year and i would have used my punch tonight bradley i just want to say mexican was very good i just want to say that like you used to like hide your Bradley moments at like the back of the episodes. <laughs> like after like we're 45 minutes in, like we're, you know, maybe the general audience has stopped listening and it's just us and Eli Cox at that point. But this is back to back episodes. Last one, you started off saying you're feeling better than Bob Huggins after a night out. And I'm talking about punching children. <laughs> Are the two related? <laughs> I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're getting authentic Bradley right off the bat. WT, glad to have you back here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I had my first uh, BlackBerry AL8 uh, this week, which is just a life-changing moment, as I'm sure you all can imagine. Uh, but now I've been busy. Obviously, was too busy to make the last episode. I haven't gotten a chance to talk about Canada. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. And I'm joined by a live studio audience uh, today. Mrs. Wildcat's tongue is uh, in the house and... Uh, we'll be listening in, and I'm going to try not to let that affect <laughs> what I say too much. <laughs> I need you. I need you right off the dome right now. We all know original is number one, but how, how do you rank blackberry, cherry, orange, cream, and peach? Ooh, that's good. Uh, I've got to go OG first of because I, I feel like it'd be a sin not to. Uh, but I think the uh, I think orange cream is is my favorite to drink then we get blackberry and then we get cherry and then peach probably last now here's the thing i don't like many peach flavored things i like peach ale eight it's just of the ale eights it is my least favorite even though i enjoy drinking it so So, if that's heresy to some people 
I apologize, but uh, yeah, big fan of the Blackberry. It's, it's really, really good. I respect that. I think the Blackberry on its own is probably my second favorite. Not a huge fan of the cherry. I think it's too sugary a little bit too much. And like, how can I you agree. have such a thing? But it's a little too sugary for my palate. But I do want to say the peach, two things go very well with bourbon. And it is like an ale, like a ginger ale and or like a ginger beer, something like that. And like the flavor peach. So if you're trying to do like a 50-50, like couple ounces of bourbon, couple ounces of like a soda over ice, the peach ALA is phenomenal. Bradley, it uh, looks like you're like punching yourself over there over our takes. Oh, I, I am. I'm about to fight. Are we the you? child that you get to punch for free? Uh, us no, or Jake, who are you going to use it on? You're over the age of 18. So sadly, you don't count toward my punch uh, limit. Uh, I actually just had Cherry Ale 8 for the first time this week out in far western Kentucky. We don't get a lot of Ale 8 in general. Like, it's every other Dollar General that you ever find any Ale 8. Uh, so the OG definitely is the best. And the only three that I've had are the OG Cherry and Orange Cream. I'd love to try the Peach or the Blackberry uh, so if you're listening and you work at L8 or anything like that, uh, <laughs> hook me up. Uh, but I like cherry. Uh, how could you say that there was too much sugar? It's soda. Uh, you're a moron. <laughs> and about the orange cream thing, it was horrible. It's one of the worst things I've ever drank in my entire life. I drink Metamucil every night, and that's a more pleasant orange experience than orange cream ale <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> it is not good. I'm pretty sure like the colonoscopy prep stuff that's like citrus flavored, I'm pretty sure that would be a more enjoyable <laughs> orange citrus experience than whatever orange cream L8 is. I, I do not like it. Bradley, it is truly a tragedy that your Wi-Fi started working again today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, point, it is more valuable to us for you not to be on here with that sort I, of take. I've had MediaCom for a year and a half, and four routers have just exploded. I don't know what the problem is. But yeah, uh, bad take. <laughs> I have to say, Bradley, uh, are wrong. you coming to? Are you coming to any football games this year? Uh, well, actually funny you should bring that up because we've actually all been talking about uh, trying to hit up the game at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a two-hour drive for me, probably about half for SAC, uh, and then drives for other members of the crew. Uh, so I'm definitely going to try to hit that one. Uh, but as far as games uh, at the Krogue, I'm not sure. Uh, but while we're on the topic of the Vandy game, I did want to open something up to our listening audience, okay? I've been trying to think of something that's going to get us on TV and get some publicity for the pod, okay? We need, like, a group costume or something. We all need to dress up as something. Because you remember two years ago, the guys that dressed up as bananas because of the Will Levis video? Like, that blew up. So we just need Devin Leary to, like, shove an avocado up his nose or something so we can all dress up as avocados or, or just do something that way we can get on tv and get some listeners and uh, get some sponsors and try to make a little bit of money first of all bradley that's a fantastic idea um go on twitter either at bradley or at the rub to no good account and say what our costumes would be 
Second thing, Bradley, I really don't get to see you outside of sporting events. So I asked if we do meet up at a tailgate, I'll try to bring a Blackberry Ale for you. And you'll see oh. why it is better than the cherry. Oh. It is the they, perfect ratio of uh, sugar to juice. They they can't see, but I'm doing the heart thing with my hands. Not well. It's kind of a fat heart, but I'm trying. It's absolutely beautiful. Let's talk some basketball. <laughs> WT, we have, we have not heard your opinion on the Canada trip yet. We kind of went over all like the hype. We, we kind of discussed everything. Uh, we're not going to have you do that again. If you want to hear that, go back to listen to Buddy last episode who explained it much better with all due respect to everyone else on this podcast. WT, what is your hottest take after four games of watching this team play? That's tough because like hottest take, you, I could have hot takes probably about almost any player uh, that from that trip, but my hottest take might have to be Second team All American Antonio Reeves. Wow. I think that he is going to be guarded by the third or fourth best defender on every single team. Because if you don't do that, you will get absolutely destroyed by everyone else uh, in our lineup. Uh, so, like, that's the choice you have to make. And that's just going to allow him to score 20 points each game um i think he breaks the record for most points in the cal era at kentucky which is currently held by oscar shibway um if he plays the average number of games in a season which is 37 at kentucky uh he only needs to average 17 points a game to reach that mark uh so i think it's not only possible i think he might blow at blow it out of the water because i don't see him averaging any less than 17 points with the way we saw this team play um he is getting open shots uh if he if he's not open he is showing a much deeper bag on how it's like the arkansas game on steroids like he is uh getting himself open with the ball and without the ball the other players are getting him open and then we have the rest of the team like antonio is just like the icing on the cake he's our best scorer but he's not even close to our best player and that is the coolest thing ever i'm so happy with this team uh, really happy with the way we played. Um, even with the level of competition at Jeff Goodman, uh, like the other option was for us to lose games. And we didn't. We dominated each and every game. And it was really cool to see. Yeah, the, the funny thing about Jeff Goodman. So we can admit the competition is going to get better, right? Absolutely. It will. Like none of the teams we saw are going to make a Final Four. And we hope to see teams in the Final Four. Do we not expect Kentucky to get better? Like we were missing. Okay, two so the guys. opponents are going to get better. Is DJ Wagner <laughs> not going to? Is Rob Dillingham not going to get better? Are we not going to add players that have been hurt? Or we we might add someone in the portal. We're just going to expect. Yeah, like the the, the teams we played against weren't very good, and all the other teams are just going to get significantly better. But Kentucky is just not going to increase. That's ridiculous. Jordan Burks played ten minutes a game at the five. Like, this is not the best version of the team, even now. Like, yes, over time we'll get better, but, like, with Ugo and Aaron out, that's not even the best version of the team that we currently have. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's up from here. Um, I really would love to see, and, and this is going to probably be a question from the listeners, but, like, when Aaron and Ugo come back, it's going to be really interesting if Cal keeps to his word or if he switches things up. But uh, – yeah, nothing but positive things to say from 
uh, from the Canada trip. Yeah, I like how you said that, like, Antonio Reeves isn't our best player. It's like I break down the team, and it's like, I think, Bradley, you were the one who tweeted this out because I think you called me on it last time. But we have three all-SEC caliber point guards. And of those three all-SEC caliber point guards, not one of them is going to be our leading scorer, which will be Antonio Reeves probably. And not one of them is probably going to be just our best player, period, who is going to be Justin Edwards, in my opinion. I think he could be the number one pick in the draft. I think he's only going to get better. And that's our backcourt. We're talking about three all-SEC players, point guards, and maybe none of them is our leading scorer, and none of them will be our best player. And that's who gets to play the one through three. And that's fantastic. You talked about uh, – oh, go ahead, Bradley. Oh, no, you, you go ahead. I have a question, but you go ahead with yours. I, I cannot wait to hear your question. Okay. I'm forcing you to say it right now. Okay. This is a question uh, specifically for WT, uh, but you can weigh in, Sack, even though we, we heard your contributions last week. Uh, one of really the most surprising players, I thought, uh, in Canada was Trey Mitchell. Uh, you looked and saw the kind of things that he did. I did not expect him to be as good of a shooter as he was. I did not expect him to be as good of a passer as he was. Uh, so he was really one of the standout surprises for me. Uh, that being said, his stepdad, Tony Bergeron, was just hired as the head coach at Franklin County High School. Uh, WT, what's your season projection for Franklin County High School? <laughs> What a question. <laughs> I was so ready to talk about like Trey and what he means to the team. And now I have to talk about region whatever basketball that I have nothing I know nothing about. Like I, I don't even I could not even point out Franklin High School on a map. <laughs> oh, Franklin County High School, uh the home of one time Kentucky commit Caden Mormon. Hey, that guy who rec- recruited a bunch of guys on Twitter and then decommitted when he realized, oh, I got worse my senior season. <laughs> yeah, then he ended up at Louisville. <laughs> you know, WT, you often ask us like the next morning after recording. It's like, all right, guys, I need out of context like ideas. I think I'm going to develop an AI that just cuts all our episodes <laughs> just to like when Bradley is talking. And like the first four things that he says, it's like, all right, it's going to be smacking a child, Caden Mormon, and uh, uh, Franklin County up High Devin School. No... Avocado, avocado, up Devin 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 there we go. <laughs> it made him useful. I do want to talk more in depth about Trey Mitchell soon, but what I was going to ask um, on the topic of Kentucky basketball specifically, okay. uh, one of the things that I really liked is you talked about Cal keeping his word. Well, a lot of the times it's like we get in the point of the season and it's like, all right, Cal might change, but Cal's so stubborn in his ways. Cal will never change. He can't adapt to modern basketball. And a lot of it has been true. You know, he 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 recruits some three-point shooters, but it's like, all right, we're still taking like 18 a game. Cal straight up said, like, we should be taking at least 27 threes a game. Not an average, like at least 27 threes a game. Our team averaged like 35 in Canada. I'm just making that up. I'm just kind of, I don't know what they actually did, but that's what it looked like. He says he doesn't like Justin Edwards at the four. And usually in the past, we never would see him again at the four. He gives it 24 more hours. He loves him at the four now. We're playing small ball. In fact, he loves Trey Mitchell at the five. And even when Aaron and Ugo are back, he doesn't want to play two centers. He still wants to give significant run with small ball with Mitchell at the five. 
Now, granted, some of that might be Mitchell at the five, Aaron Bradshaw at the four, whatever. But he's open to it. He wants to run like three point guards. He's going back to modern basketball. He ran a zone for like the closest game that we've had. The most like down to the wire one, he was running zone. And granted, it didn't work. But this is, again, the complaints. Cal's not open to trying new things. He was. How did you feel about like this John Calipari? Yes, I get it. Swaggy Cal's back. He's in Drake's mansion. He's he's poking fun with the media a little bit. Swaggy Cal is back. But how about this new version of Cal that we've never seen before? That is just, you know what? I'm not going to be stuck in my ways. I'm going to let this team cook to the best of their abilities. That was one of my favorite things to see from the trip. What did you see, WT? I think one thing Cal has been good at, he hasn't been good at a ton of things, to be completely honest, the last few years. One thing he has been good at is he does listen to fans, and he does listen to, like, experts in some way. Like, he's not going to change everything he does, but he does listen to fans. When fans were calling for us to kind of abandon the one-and-done and go get transfers, he goes and does that. Like may, maybe it wasn't his number one choice. He missed on a few key recruits, but he was open to changing the way he builds a team. Um, he got new uniforms. Uh, that was again not maybe his full decision, but like a lot, a lot of stuff he has changed. Now he is famous for being stubborn, especially when it comes to X's and O's. We also have to remember this is the same guy that played three point guards in like 2015, 2016 that played three guards in 2017 that played three guards all the way back in like 2010 and 2011. Like uh, he isn't like some guy that plays one point guard, three forwards and a center every single year he's been in Kentucky. So he's not going, he's not abandoning his style of basketball. He's almost in a way going back to his style of basketball with a modern flair. And I think you can kind of attribute that to maybe John Welsh, who comes from the NBA, who has run the dribble drive, um, but in a more modern setting, he's providing a lot of insight. Uh, and he's, speaking of John Welsh, he's not surrounding himself with a bunch of yes men uh, and Joel Justice. <laughs> he's actually hiring like good assistants who, uh, and a guy like John Welsh will like, come and tell him what they should run instead of just going with whatever Cal says and then not doing their job recruiting. Um, I do like seeing him change his mind on things that, that is really refreshing to see. Um, but I think that comes from a confidence that he has in this team. Uh, he was really stubborn with last year's team because I think he needed to prove himself like, Hey, this team is really struggling. I need to be the one to fix it. But with this team, he sees the weapons he has, and he can be a little looser. He can test some things out. He can be more experimentative. Um, so I, I'm encouraged by it. I don't think it's as big of a deal because I don't think he's like branching too far away from his normal behavior. Um, but, I mean, I guess we'll see. It's really easy to be like this and to say all the right things when you're winning international tournaments. When we play Kansas at the Champions Classic, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and another big thing that we're talking about a lot is being discussed is, all right, is Cal really, really changing? Or is the roster that he worked his ass off to get and build, which is the most talented roster he's had in half a decade, is that enabling him to do the things that he wants? 
It's like shoot 27 threes a game is great, but you don't do that when you're like your one is Xavier Wheeler, your two is Kaysan Wallace, and your three is Chris Livingston. Bradley, right. you're looking at me. You know it is pronounced Kaysan Wallace, right? You saw that interview? No, it's not. Yes, it is. What? Yeah, he was in his like uh, one of his first interviews after being on the Thunder. He said people have been pronouncing it wrong. It's actually pronounced Kaysan. It's Kaysan Wallace. He said he never oh, yeah. felt like correcting everyone, but it actually, yeah. Hmm. He's gaslighting us. No, I swear. To you, look it up. Look up. <laughs> look up. Look up. Case and Wall's pronunciation. It's if if this is true, we owe you one apology for the thousands of names you mispronounce. <laughs> what I do who you know is how Doran I, Lamb? Who is Doran Lamb? Who do you is know how, that? Do you know how I will accept your apology, Bradley? How? I need you to recreate a video with Kason Wallace, similar to how you did with Savir <laughs> Wheeler. Kason Wallace. Yep, it's Kason. That's what I'm saying. Dang. I wish I would have known that. That would have been really good for memes. That would have been a great meme. Uh, just put like a case on a wall. Why couldn't he have said that this time last year? Doesn't he care about the memers? All we are is dreamers. While you all talk, I'm going to go to the 2023 media guide and see if they put the correct pronunciation in the media guide. What if a dude just comes out after he gets drafted and he's like, it's actually Therio. All these guys have been right all along. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. Those global jam announcers or something. He literally said like Thereo four times. See, someone else like really got butchered, and they like fixed it halfway through. Oh, they were calling um the center for the BAL select team Okafor instead of a Korafor. Oh, it's a Korafor. Oh man, it is. You I wouldn't know like that because the announcer called him Okafor the entire game. I've looked like a moron on Twitter. I've never heard of the bum before. So I just thought his name was Okafor. So I've been calling him Okafor. Well, apparently wow. he's the second coming of Akeem Olajuwon and Shaq and Kareem he's Abdul-Jabbar. He's the second coming of Jaleel Okafor is who he is. He's a bum. Well, Louisville media would make you think that he's fantastic because he put up a bunch of points while playing against Jordan Burks. As he got five. five rebounds against Jordan Burks. He got five rebounds against Jordan Burks. And this is not a slide on Jordan Burks. Jordan Burks is a shooting guard. He's a shooting guard (laughs) playing the five. I think I could – no, I couldn't get five rebounds on Jordan Burks. He's a foot taller than me. But, you know, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking of the five and hopefully ideally not having Jordan Burks there much longer – a little bit of bad news. You got on Yenzo, um, apparently having surgery on his foot. I just want to say that another thing that Cal is doing correct, we're becoming a little bit more transparent with the injuries, you know? Like in the past, yeah. like Ryan Lemon will tweet out, like, I heard this dude is getting like triple bypass surgery and he's having both legs amputated. And Cal will come yeah. on and be like, actually, it was just a scrape. Like we put a Band-Aid on it and Ellen gave it a kiss. He'll be back in a couple months for the season. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But this time, it seems like all the stories were kind of like lining up more. 
it was like Ryan Levin said, yeah, he's going to have surgery. Apparently left the event. And Cal's like, yeah, he did leave the event. He's having surgery. Hopefully we're looking at two months to get him back for the end of the season. This really sucks for him, which it really does. Um, yeah, I, I was really upset to see Onyenzo go down. Obviously, you don't want anyone to get hurt. But just individually and for the team, for the team, I think center is our biggest question mark. Because um, like Kim and Bradshaw, I think have, high ceilings, very, very low floors, and they have no production if they don't even play. And there are two biggest question marks whether they're going to be healthy. Seven-foot-one guys with foot injuries do not have great history of getting back on the court right away and staying there. That's rough. So, yes. But I also wanted to see it for Ugo. I mean, again, when you're the biggest question mark, now is his chance to go up against a core of four and make him look like an absolute bum when he actually has to play real centers. This is his chance to go out there and be like, do you know what? I know I only played two minutes per game last year. I know there's a huge question mark over my head, but I can be a starting center for a Final Four caliber team. But he didn't get that opportunity, and now we're not sure when he's going to get it. And that really sucks for him. The first opportunity, or maybe one of the first, we the schedule hasn't been released, uh, that we will get to see him against major competition will be against Hunter Dickinson yeah. at the five. Mm-hmm. Um coming off an injury same with Aaron he'll be coming off an injury uh and that that is what really scares me like I think that Trey Mitchell can be a good five against like directional Illinois or whatever um but when we play Kansas we're gonna have to have our roster um and I mean ever like it's been talked up and down Aaron's situation on the roster anyone who says they know anything don't really know anything it's optimistic right now that he'll play but we don't really know and now with ugo that's a seven foot tall guy with a foot problem now and that everyone knows what that can do um so it is kind of a scary thing whenever you get matched up with a hunter dickinson type um now i think that there's other matchups like in the sec that having a Trey Mitchell at the five would be really good for, but we don't play those guys in November. Um, so what? It, let, let's say in a hypothetical world, let's say Ugo's surgery takes longer to recover and Aaron's not ready to play. What do we do in that Kansas game? Well, that that's the question is, do you let it get to that? Or does Cal start trying to frame someone for a DUI and try to get their center? <laughs> well i mean <laughs> clock's ticking buddy before i will say like i want to talk about those potential fives but for all the listeners a couple things number one we do not have any scoop we say that so often we are basketball outsiders we do not have any scoop and number two if we did we're not telling you all because if there's any scoop about any players right now that's tampering we can't that's that's not good it's like if we tell you about like some dude from like i'm sure one of the names we'll bring up is nafali dante just because like we've heard the name before we just hired their assistant coach like the name sort of makes sense we don't know anything and if we did we're not going to tell you all that we know anything because that's like the only reason those names would be connected is if cal was tampering which we obviously don't want to happen so uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some names of potential fives, but no, the, none of this is scoop, and we're not trying to claim anything. <laughs> Go ahead, Bradley. Uh, to, to be fair, 
I do want Cal to be tampering. I just don't oh, 100%. want to. I just Absolutely. don't want to know about it. <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> I hey, do pal, want... Cal is the best version of Cal. Cal, get on the phone. I hope <laughs> bring I hope out the Cal... yacht. I hope Cal is door dashing Jeff Ruby's chicken tenders to like eight different centers right now and just hoping that we can get one of them. But um let's go golfing. I <laughs> bring out the yacht. I also I also don't want to like be that guy like a Jeff Goodman that was just insisting that oh Antonio Reeves is one of the best players in the portal. No, he's not in the portal, but he's expected to be there. Or that one writer from Michigan who, who seems like a much nicer guy than Jeff Goodman, but still was making post after post after post how they were just throwing the NIL bag and Reeves was practically already in Ann Arbor, which was far from the case. So I don't, I don't want to throw out names and just be like, these guys are in the portal. They're coming. It's practically done. When we're talking, we're really just talking hypothetically. We're not trying to start rumors. Um, I think there really doesn't seem to be anything behind Nafali Dante other than he is a center and his assistant coach is now our assistant coach or his former assistant coach. Yeah. And I mean, did we recruit him when he first committed to? Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, Cal does have yeah. a history with them, with him. So, like I said, like, if you try to, like, look into it, it makes sense. And obviously, we would love to have someone of that caliber with that experience coming and play the five. Um, but I don't think it's worth making any, like, message board posts or anything like that. Like, I posted, like, a gif of a duck walking whenever the Ugo, no- Ugo news got posted. But that wasn't, like, scoop. That was just, like, please. Like, we need, we need mm-hmm. someone. If that's going to be it, we need someone. <laughs> So let's just eliminate names for a second, except for one, which is Samto. You let's just say you have three general categories. One, you can force a reclass for Samto. We're not force one. We're not. We don't hold players hostage here, Jeff Goodman. All right. Um, no, cool that was the, uh, the, the sl- that, was like the sleepers or something. That was the other field of sixty eight associate, whatever. But would you rather push Samto for a reclass? Would you rather try and get? your luck in the transfer portal, maybe in August, maybe hopefully a name enters, or would you rather say, do you know what? I'm going to hope that Ugo and Bradshaw are back. And even if they're not, or just one of them is back. I watched how we played in Canada. That was so much fun. Small ball, Trey at the five, do Justin at the four. Let's freaking do it. I don't care, but let's hope that at least one or both of Bradshaw Ugo come back and you're just going to roll with the squad that you got. How yeah, do y'all, no. which one of those options do y'all like the most? I absolutely hate the option of, oh, hey, Hugo and Bradshaw might be back. Because if there's anything that we've seen since 2012, if it can be injury related, it has gone against us. Uh, so, no, I don't just want to cross fingers. Personally, I, I think I'd like to push for Samto uh, just because I'm a big Samto believer. Uh, and also if you wait until August for somebody to jump in the portal, you don't know if the guy that you want is going to, and it's kind of that old adage about uh, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And, uh, we've, we've already brought that up before. We don't need to get back into that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think I would rather have Samto personally than wait and maybe something might line up for us. I agree. And not for the really same reason, like in this age, like 
guys kind of know who's going to go into the portal before they go into the portal for whatever reason. Um, but if we go get someone from the portal, it's likely going to be a high level or maybe mid to high level center who is transferring for playing time, right? They're not going to come to Kentucky to come ride the bench once Aaron and Ugo are healthy. Um, the thing about bringing Somto up is that he's not really a threat to um, specifically Aaron whenever Aaron does get healthy and wants to play. You bring Somto up and he plays like in November and December while Aaron's still rehabbing. And this is all hypothetical. I don't know what the timetable is for him. Then once Aaron is ready to play, he will play in front of Somto. Um, if you bring in a transfer um, to kind of cover that five, I would honestly say that Clutch gets threatened. Clutch says, hey, Kentucky, why are you bringing in someone to play in front of my guy? Why are you trying to bring in minutes to play in front of Aaron? Uh, and I could see a future where that increases the chances where Aaron doesn't play for us. So uh, I, I, I am full on the Somto train, even if it's just a Band-Aid over a wound. Yeah, WT, I think I agree with the idea of Somto, maybe for a little bit different of reasons. Um, I, like if at this point, if Aaron Bradshaw really gets his, uh, or Aaron Bradshaw's camp really gets his feeling hurt. If you get a guy that's so good that he's going to threaten Aaron Bradshaw, um, that, you know, is going to play, you take that over keeping Aaron Bradshaw and hoping he's healthy to play and going through the whole clutch ordeal. I'm sorry. At this point you just do, but I like the idea of Sampto where if, let let's say Bradshaw and Ugo do come back. Let 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 let's just use um like Nafali Dante. Okay? okay, he is the premier player at Oregon. So like you said, if he's going to come to a place like Kentucky, he's going to be getting minutes. He's going to be getting shots. Regardless, he's just going to be getting minutes. Let's say Ugo and Aaron are still here and they become healthy. Well, they're getting minutes too. So now we're playing two three centers in. That doesn't include Trey Mitchell. So now we're almost playing always two bigs at a time instead of just one. Where Sampto, it's like, okay, you need a center. Maybe Aaron and Ugo are out a little bit longer than expected. You can plug Sampto in some minutes. And I think he'll be serviceable. I don't think he'll be great. I think he'll be serviceable. But if, let's say, Bradshaw and Ugo come back, now Sampto, it's like, okay, you're a two-year guy anyway. You're a two-year guy anyways. We didn't have to promise minutes to get you here. Let's just have you develop a year. You'll run our center position next year. That's kind of my take on it. The only thing is, if Ugo and Aaron are really out, I'm not as high on Samto as you, Bradley. I don't trust Samto to like play 10, 15, 20, however many minutes a game is needed um, consistently because I don't think he's all that. Like He's a four-star and reclassing from a very bad 2024 class. Yeah, and I think I brought this up on the last episode. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But um, playing Trey Mitchell at the five for four games in July against some admittedly not great competition is a little bit different than playing him 25 games against Hunter Dickinson and Whoever Gonzaga Center is now, did Timmy find an extra year of eligibility? Who knows? And, and, you know, guys like that. So playing Trey at the five in some spot minutes or, you know, against 
as WT loves to say, directional Illinois, I would probably be fine. I would just like to have another option for guys like Dickinson and uh, who else do we have non-conference that's just like, okay, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Me too, kind of. Well, we got we got to play a core of four from Louisville. Oh, uh, we have a great <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. How will we ever survive uh, uh, Okafor? No, uh, Cora Four. Um, oh, oh uh, Graham Ek is the guy at uh, Gonzaga now, so he should be okay. The counter is we had the physically imposing center, and he kind of got pick and rolled to death almost for a lot of SEC play, where he was almost neutralized. One of the best players in the country was sometimes a net negative on the floor. Why yeah, can't we true. do that with Trey Mitchell and Aaron Bradshaw and say, all right, I, I get it. The only thing is how do you manage the entries? It's kind of like I, 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 I don't want Bradshaw and Ugo and Trey Mitchell to all be healthy with a transfer portal center that we're promising 25 minutes a game. I also don't want Aaron and Ugo to be out the entire season. So it's kind of – you're in a rough spot. Just going a whole nother season without – or at least even half a season without rim protection just scares me to death because we saw what it looked like and, and no hate to Oscar at all. You know, we all love Oscar, appreciate everything that he did, but we saw the last two years when we had zero action. Uh, and I, I just don't think that really works with a lot of Cal's defenses. And I'd hate to see probably the best perimeter defense that we've had in at least four seasons uh, go to waste because we don't have any rim protection. I would like to get into – oh, go ahead, WT. I was saying, like, it's hard for me to add what you all are saying. We are kind of, just because we're Kentucky fans, jumping to the worst-case scenario here, and that's fair because stuff's happened recently. But – I would say maybe not the most likely, but the one I can most picture in my head is that at least one of Aaron and Ugo is ready by game number one, and they've gone through some practices. Um, probably Aaron, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point early in the season, the other one joins. Uh, and then we have two and a half centers on the roster. Um, I can also see Trey Mitchell like holding his own at the five. And it kind of goes to that adage of like, yeah, maybe he won't be able to stop everybody, but who's outscoring us if Trey Mitchell's our five with the roster we had that we saw in Canada? Like, yeah, maybe Trey uh, isn't really stopping uh, Hunter Dickinson on every single possession, but do you think Hunter Dickinson's going to be marking up Trey on defense? Like, that that's a huge mismatch for us. Um, so I don't think it's like – alarm sounding like dire of a situation obviously i want more depth obviously i want to go like bring up samto we're going to transfer if we can but there is hope in my brain which may be misplaced i just keep coming back to in my mind this would be the perfect time to have lance on the roster uh, just 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 an enforcer that that's just going to do the work. Oh, now I'm sad. I shouldn't and even said it. Could Lance 
take summer classes and graduate and then transfer back. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Next time we have him on, let's ask. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We don't have any plans to have him on, but I I also think, I also think if you're Cal, like you're, you're not thinking about how do we beat Kansas day one, you know, Um, you're you're not going to, you're not going to blow up the whole roster because it's like, Oh, we have a mismatch in game one of the season. First of all, Kansas day one of this upcoming season will be the best team in college basketball. And I I think there's probably a little gap before you get to us or Duke or Tennessee or Florida Atlantic. What are some of the other names that are getting thrown around early? I don't know. Gonzaga is always up there. I think there's a considerable gap on Kansas. I do want to get into some of these listener questions though, because some of them are really good. Um, Justin Kalen, friend of the show, his show is a friend of our show, Kentucky Roll Call. He's the producer for Kentucky Roll Call with TJ Walker, Nick Roush. He says to steal a question from Kentucky Roll Call this morning, who's the one player this team can't live without? WT, I want to hear your opinion first and Bradley, I want to hear your second. And I think if anything is like the comments, we might all have different answers because it seems like everyone has different answers right now. Right. I, I'm going to call this the Nerland's Noel effect. Like, this is a play, like the player that if he gets out, if he goes down, everything falls apart. Yeah. That, that is a really tough one. I think with the way the roster is right now, that player is weirdly Trey Mitchell. Like, yep. with the little bit of front court depth that we have losing Trey kind of puts this entire season on the, like on the brink of disaster. Um, now, if you were to ask me the same question in January, when we hopefully have a little bit more depth at the center, then I would probably go to like Antonio Reeves or DJ Wagner, or Justin Edwards. But for right now, I'm going to go with like the off season disaster that has been the injury plague for at our center position. You know, I'm going to zig when everybody else is zagging. Give me a Duthie arrow. He's kind of a glue guy for the roster. We we watched him do a little bit of everything in Canada. He kind of seems to be, yeah, glue guy holding the team together. Uh, So uh, we wouldn't be the same team without a do. I don't don't disagree. I don't disagree that we wouldn't be the same team. I think you zagged a little too hard or you zigged a little too hard. Okay, I had to I had, I had to give a good point for the listening audience. It'd be boring if I said TJ. Well, I I actually I I agree with Trey Mitchell. I'll be boring. I thought more people would say DJ Wagner um just cuz he's point guard one and he's the engine that goes, but I, I kind of go back with you with what you called the Nerlens effect. All right, DJ goes down like knock on wood, God forbid he doesn't, but um like Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard running the show, you're fine. You know, like right. Justin Edwards, something happens. All right, Reeves plays the three. Adu kind of plays more minutes. You're you're fine. You'll live. You'll be you'll be competitive. You won't be as great. You really need this team just to stay fully healthy for the first time since like 2012. But whatever. Right. Um, like last year when both Savir and Kaysan went down, yeah. uh, like the team survived. Like we won at Tennessee. <laughs> Like yes, like yes, Kaysen was probably our best player, but he wasn't the Nerlens Noel. Like if he, if he went down, we had guys to come back and replace him. 
And I completely agree with you. I think right now it's Trey Mitchell. I just look back to Canada and I, I get he's being subbed out for, again, Jordan Burks, who's a three trying to play the five. So you had that automatic mismatch every time he got put in. Uh, probably one of the more raw players on our team as well, who coming in as a three-star true freshman. But when he came, when he's on the floor and when he's off the floor, you see a huge difference. His defensive awareness, he's not the most athletic or most tall person playing the five, um, but his defensive positioning, offensive and defensive IQ, his court spacing at the five, um, his passing from the five, the team rolled the team like rolled through him through Canada. Again, I know DJ ran the offense and Reeves led her team in scoring. Mitchell was kind of the glue guy. That I think is kind of the point that Bradley's trying to make, but I really think he's trying to be a little too cute about it when we when we kind of both see the same thing, but it's with Trey Mitchell. I'm a huge Adu fan, by the way. Adu is gonna be fantastic. But it's Trey. yeah, I think if, to answer the question, like I think if you're answering the question of like who impacts our team in a positive way, I think Adu absolutely does that. Like Adu oh, yeah. is such a plug and play on the offensive and defensive ends. It's so impressive what he was able to do in Canada. But if we're the question of who has the most negative effect if we lose him at this point in the season, I think I think Trey's the right answer there. Yeah, and I, I feel like we should move on from talking about losing players before we manifest it. This is an answer. This is a question I do answer with a do. Which players do y'all think will be given the toughest defensive assignments? Last year we had Kason, but who can do that this year? I originally thought Justin Edwards. I was very disappointed with his defensive effort on Canada. I'm sure that'll turn around. Um, but just what I've seen from Global Jam, that's easily a do. He's got the physicality, the versatility, the awareness, the hustle, the toughness, the dog. I'm putting Adu on the opponent's best player. Oddly enough, give me Reed. Adu's a good pick, but Reed, I think, played extremely good on-ball defense uh, in in Canada. And I, I think that I think that's fair. But like usually, when I think of who's getting the toughest assignment. That should be pretty universal to opponent. Like if you're playing like a a six nine power forward, you're not going to put Reed on them. Like you should have not like, would because it would go terribly. But like a do, it's like let's <laughs> say let's say we're playing elite point guard. I'd put a do on the point guard. I would put a do on a four. I'd put him on the two or a three. I'd even venture him out for some stretch fives. I'm not going to throw him in the post. But honestly, but that, that might he might be our best post defender at the moment. Who knows? He's freaking jacked and apparently could block shots above the goal but um but yeah i i i'm reed unless the best player is like the a one i'm I'm probably not putting reed on someone not just to shit on all your takes tonight bradley i'm sorry bradley's just trying to make this show interesting because like the obvious answer i think is a do uh i don't think Adu is quick enough to stay in front of a one who's like the best player. Like, I don't, I don't want to do guarding like a Marquise Noel, like sort of guy. Um, but I think Adu guarding the best player two through four puts us at a huge advantage. Um, I also think that this is kind of a weird strategy, putting Adu against the other team's worst shooter 
would be a really good strategy because the dude that his help side like blocking was so impressive in Canada and being able to like rotate over. Uh, that was really, really good. So having a do against like a really bad shooter who could just, and he could just like sit in the paint and kind of be that rim protection uh, could also work really well. But yeah, I, I think a is our best defender as of right now. I want to see Justin get better. I want to see what Aaron can do as a rim protector. Uh, we've heard that Ugo came in as a blocker or like a rim protector. He was really good against like Florida and M not great against anyone else <laughs> that uh, <laughs> worth playing. So um yeah, I think I think the easy answers to do. Again, not not that I'm saying that they're worth anyone playing, but apparently he had six blocks before he got injured in that scrimmage. That was apparently. before they added their best player, a core four too. Yeah, so, that wasn't against. So a core take that four. for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, so Christopher, just kidding. One second. Their best player wasn't even a core four. It was that Egyptian dude that did the two small when they were down twenty. That dude was insane. <laughs> he looked like quickly out there with a the floater. That dude was nuts. I'm not going to lie. Like when he did that too small thing down 20, I was like, okay, we're about to whoop them. From that moment on is when the game got close. I'm like, dang, are we about to get like absolutely embarrassed by this guy that called us too small and then let a 20 point comeback? We didn't. We we ended up finishing the game when they put Reed and Trey back in, but uh yeah no no that was uh almost a really embarrassing moment they I, that is I the guy i do dunked on though yeah Sorry, i, I didn't i didn't on my phone right now <laughs> i did not shout out the person who gave us this question i'm sorry at i love maxi that's a great question christopher robinson has our next question he says what do you think the rotation will look like with the two bigs back i think unfortunately for uganda even if he does come back um he he might be looking outside, looking in on the rotation. I think he'll get solid minutes at center. I mean, maybe 10 minutes a game. But I think Trey Mitchell looks so good at the five, and you know Aaron Bradshaw's going to need minutes. You know Adu's going to need minutes at the four, and you know the backcourt's loaded. So, which means Justin's probably going to have to play some four. I, I think there's so many guards that you got to play that that forces guys like Justin and Adu to the four, which forces guys like Aaron and Trey to the five, which doesn't leave that many minutes for Ugo. But I, I currently feel like our rotation is going to be DJ starting with Reeves, Justin, Trey, and Aaron with Rob, Reed, and Adu off the bench and Ugo getting some backup center minutes. That's probably my rotation right now. I really like that Cal said, yeah, even when the centers come back, when they come back, he doesn't, Oh, not like he's going to say, oh, I don't know if they're going to come back or not. The plan's for them to come back. But uh, when they are back, he he wants to run the same way. He wants to run the five out. He was really happy with it, which tells me what he thinks about Aaron and Ugo being able to step out and hit shots and be productive players out there, but also that he's committed to this five out. So really happy with that. So that's, that's probably my rotation at the moment. I would say the luxury that we have is that we have three uh, centers – in Ugo, Aaron, and Trey that are completely different styles of play. Trey is kind of a plug-and-play stretch five. Aaron's like this seven-foot unicorn that, like, doesn't have any weight on him, but, like, can fly, can run, can jump. Uh, and then we have Ugo, who's, like, supposed to be, like, the big, like, bigger body who can uh, go in and, like, block some shots. So I don't really like 
purely playing your rotation as a matchup thing to your opponents because I think that if you have the best team, you should always just play your best players. But uh, the five position is one of those where, like, every team, especially, like, in the SEC, has, like, this unique guy who's either, like, a uh, Colin Castleton who's, like, a really skilled big or, um, like, some really athletic dudes that you see at, like, Mississippi State or Texas A&M. Um, like, you can kind of play into, okay, maybe Ugo gets five to ten more minutes this game so that we can have a better matchup at the five position. Or maybe Aaron Bradshaw kind of takes over at the five this game because we think we can beat them. Or, hey, maybe Trey Mitchell takes over because, like, this guy can't guard on the perimeter. So I, I, you have that option to kind of change it game by game if you need to because we have three completely different options there. Yeah. Great. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think – I think probably our best lineup is DJ Reeves, Edwards, uh, Mitchell, and Bradshaw at the yeah. five, but lie to him and tell him he's at the four. Wow, uh, no Reed Shepard. I wonder why you didn't include him. <laughs> well, we need some <laughs> toughness, uh, some intensity, some grit uh, coming off the bench. Uh, somebody to lead the second unit and, and play the game the right way. Uh, so it's kind of uh, Reed. Reed would run my bench unit. It's kind of hard describing Reed Shepard without all the stereotypical things because he's literally <laughs> he is your prototypical like really hard nosed like <laughs> like really hard working shoots the ball plays the game the right way makes good passes great teammate you know it's it's really hard. Um, I I quote tweeted someone during the first game in Canada. So I like I want to give him credit, but I forget who it was who said that exact thing of like. I want to talk about Reed without using white stereotypes, but I can't. <laughs> Reed is like we like we've been doing like the white stereotype joke for years on Twitter. Like we talked about it with like CJ. We talked about it with like like probably did with like Nate Sestina. Uh Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, like comparing everybody to Tyler Hero. Reed really breaks us because it's not a joke that he is like a hard worker, sneaky with athletic, bas- with high basketball IQ, sneaky athletic, like threw down some like weird two-handed jump, like two-handed dunks, like <laughs> off balance. Like he is the stereotype and it, there's no way around it. Like I, we have to, like, those are the words we have to use to describe him. And we have to like be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> like he is a Rex Chapman. <laughs> like the like the only comparisons are the stereotypical like under certain circumstances. Yes, we know Bradley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the good questions continue with at BS Keetle. They actually give us three questions. Number one, how will these games translate to early season top twenty teams and SEC play? We'll answer that one first. I think they translate. Yes, the competition is not going to be the best that we see, but this also isn't going to be the best version of Kentucky basketball. We didn't see the best version of Rob Dillingham. Made a lot of great plays, didn't finish a lot of them. I could say the same thing with DJ Wagner. DJ Wagner will continue to be better, more efficient, and start converting on a lot of these plays that he set up but didn't quite finish. Justin Edwards, he's going to be one of the better scorers, if not the best scorer on our team, right up there with Antonio Reeves. 
didn't really shoot the ball that consistently well. We saw good flashes. We saw a lot of inconsistency. That will pick up. We're going to hopefully add Aaron Bradshaw. We're going to hopefully add Uganan Yenzo. I think as long as the style of the play and the team chemistry remains the same, we're going to continue to get better. We're going to grow as a team. The competition will get better, but so will we. And what we saw in Canada will translate to I don't care who the heck we are playing. Yeah, I think the main difference between this year and last year's like Bahamas trip, after the Bahamas trip, people were like raving about things that in retrospect is really easy to see is like a result of lower competition. People are like, man, Damian Collins is going to be like an all SEC four. Well, it's just because like he could outrun a bunch of like 35 <laughs> year old guys who were on vacation. Like that's why he looked really good is because the competition was, was lower. And the same thing with like some of the other guys who looked really good in the Bahamas last year. No one's real, like, people are raving about individual players, and rightfully so. But, like, the biggest thing that we are talking about isn't individual players, it's the style of play. And that is something that translates. So, when we get up to the, like, that matchup against Kansas, we get to SEC play. We may, like, Adu may not be getting the same minutes that he got in Canada. Reed Shepard may, like, not, not be playing to the same standard that he played then. Rob Dillingham might be playing better. Like we don't know, but the style of play is something that I think will carry over no matter what. And that's something that I can get really excited about. Uh, number question. Number two from B S Keedle. He says, how different will the game be with the bigs back on the court? Hopefully not that different. Like we, we kind of preluded that or I did with Cal saying he wants to stick to the five out um, different games. But, like, if you take a do Thero from a four and put in Aaron Bradshaw, like, Aaron Bradshaw's offensive bag should not be worse than a do Thero's. Like, I know a do straight line drive can get to the line whenever he wants. He'll be good at converting from or getting to the free throw line, hopefully, good at converting it. But, like, do we think a do Thero is a better three point shooter than Aaron Bradshaw? Really shouldn't be. Like, should have similar handles, similar jump shot, similar finishing ability in the paint similar overall skill. So if you you kind of take that lineup, which had to do at the four, and the lineup that Bradley both and I said is our best lineup or should be our starting lineup, and you put in Bradshaw, it should look exactly the same, except hopefully you now you have rim protection and shot protection and a seven-footer to maybe help with some rebounding on the other end of the court. Although a Thiero, you kind of were a really good shot blocker and rebounder in Canada. So, yeah, I don't know how much it'll change. Yeah, the one guy that really doesn't fit the five out, in my opinion, and I'm not saying it to dog him or anything, is Ugana. Yeah. Uh, just because uh, he's money from that free throw line jumper in warm-ups. Uh, and we saw those off-season highlight tapes of him shooting NBA range. Uh, but we also see off-season highlight tapes of, like, Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard pulling from three. So don't put any stock into that really at all. You know, just going and shooting in an open gym. Uh, If if Ugana comes in and starts hitting threes, we're a national championship team. I mean, there's really nothing to it. Uh, If we can truly play a five out with every single player on the roster. And that's kind of why I didn't really have Ugana in that true eight-man rotation is – 
to me, he needs to be at like a Nerlens or a Willie Cauley Stein level shot blocker mm-hmm. in order to keep him on the court. Because if you add someone in there, like what what we did so good in the Canada in Canada, all five guys on the court were threats to make threes, not just like competent or capable, like genuine threats to make threes. All five guys were threats to score at all time. And if you take a guy out like that, all right, you're giving up a lot in offense. You need to be getting it back on defense. Ugana Nienzo really needs to be spectacular on defense. Again, like a Willie Cauley-Stein level defender in order for me to put him into that rotation and give him those minutes because I'm with you. Like that five out or five players who all have skill offensively, I don't want to go away from that yet. I also really like the five out, and I think that um, Aaron kind of plays into that, but Ugo doesn't. But the team that this – which you, which former UK team does this team constantly get compared to? 17. 2017. Uh, their starting center was uh, Bam Adebayo. Their backup was Isaac Humphreys. Neither of them are like stretch five sort of guys. Now, I pre- like I said, I prefer the stretch five. I like Trey Mitchell. I like Aaron Bradshaw kind of playing around the perimeter – uh, going inside whenever they need to. Um, but having you go in there doesn't mean that this offense all of a sudden breaks down and becomes clumpy, just like that 2017 team. If he, if Ugo can be a pure pick and roll, pick and like short roll to a uh, like mid range jumper, get behind the defense and kind of be a lob threat, uh, I'm not comparing him to Bam. I don't think he mirrors Bam's game at all, but he does kind of mirror Isaac Humphrey's game a little bit. And Isaac was able to kind of be that big off the bench to hit the open jump shot every once in a while, kind of be a bully on offense uh, whenever he was needed, just provide that depth uh, to kind of eat those minutes so Bam didn't have to play 40 minutes a game. And I yeah, I think that's what Ugo will be good at. That's where I kind of like Ugo too. Like you're talking about Bam not being like a stretch five, but he was still an offensive threat. You were actively right, worried absolutely. about what Bam is doing on the offensive end. And you think about that team, Isaac Humphreys, yeah, he ate some backup center minutes, but he wasn't in that eight-man rotation. Like you think – Fox, Monk, Briscoe, Willis, Bam, starting five, at least when Willis got the, the starting position going into the tournament. Gabriel off the bench, Dom Hawkins, Michael Mulder off the bench. That was kind of like your core eight. Humphreys was kind of like, all right, five, eight minutes a game to just kind of help out at that backup center. Little, I think Sacha Kalea Jones might have been in there as well. That's kind of where I see Ugana on Yenzo. As of now, and I'm a huge Ogana fan. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he's freaking fantastic. I love him so much. I'm rooting for him. I just don't see it at the moment. It sucks. I wish I could have seen it in Canada. And it's not a skill thing. It's a style of play thing that I think will be the main issue. Um, it's a little bit of a skill thing. True, but... I need to see how I much he's growing. Like, yeah. So, Sack brought up that he doesn't have to be a shooter just as long as he's an offensive threat in some way, and I I completely agree with that. If he's not a shooter, I want him to be watching in the two months or whatever that he's out, watch every single uh, shoulder hook that Carl Towns ever shot in a Kentucky jersey. Uh, Just go and watch that on repeat from the minute that he wakes up and uh, work on his post-passing skills too to kick it back out to shooters uh, because there's going to be a shooter open pretty much all the time, I think, uh, with this offense. So get get him a little shoulder hook and a, a decent chest pass out to the perimeter. 
I also want to bring back that thing where like a guard just throws a ball in the air and you're like, that's way too high. That's going four rows yeah. in the stands. And then a center just comes out and dunks it. Like we haven't seen that since Isaiah Jackson. And I try not to remember that season as much as I can. So last time I really like got to watch that happen and enjoy the game as a whole. I mean, what are we talking about? Like 2015 with Willie? Uh, Nick Richards. Yeah, Nick could do it a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's levels to it, though. Nick yeah. could do it a little bit, but there's levels to it. That's yeah, fair. yeah. Talking about just like that's that's not going to happen, and somebody, just, yeah, Willie's probably the last guy. I would say maybe a, a little bit of Alex Poythers, but he wasn't a five either. But we're talking same timeline, like 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah. Toppin did that a little bit. Toppin did that a little bit his first year too, but that was with Isaiah Jackson. People yeah. forget just how like stupid athletic that team was uh but it also was not good we so. choose to forget do you know what else a lot of people forget about bradley what oh no <laughs> you know no but i you go back yeah. to that uh road we tennessee to... game in 2021 there were two i think they're both inbound passes i know yeah. one the inbound one went to top and i forget when jackson's was but literally both times i was like I think Askew might have inbounding the boss. I'm like, why did you throw it 11 feet over his head? And then both of them caught it and then dunked it. I was <laughs> like, oh, I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Devin Askew is a good point guard. Why would you ever question the the, <laughs> the funny thing is, Zach, that was supposed to be a bounce pass to BJ Boston. <laughs> <And that's> just... <laughs> no, he reminds oh, me a lot of freshman year. <laughs> For all you Devin Askew haters. <laughs> At B.S. Kittle's third question, honest assessment of top three SEC teams going into the season. Um, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas A&M for me. Not in that order. Those are the three, though. I think Kentucky's the most talented, and I think Tennessee and A&M are returning the most talent. Um, Tennessee is getting most of their meaningful players back and losing their stinky one in the process. Uh, A&M, I think, is like returning everyone. Buzz Williams is a great coach. They were, I think, the number two team in the SEC last year, and I only expect them to get better. That's my top three, and I think that's them in a gap after that. Florida, I'm interested to see what they do. I think under new management over there, they could be sneaky good, but I don't think they get in that top three yet. Arkansas, I I need to see the guards work first. I hate to sound like Jeff Goodman. I need to see how their guards actually fit, though. They have L. Ellis on the roster. They're going to suck. Like, that's their point guard, right? Isn't like a shot-chucking shooting guard? <laughs> and I know it's they're horrible. I know, like, the roster in other places was different. But, I mean, like, L. L. Ellis, Ellis just ran point guard for a four-win ACC team. <laughs> and I get the rosters are different. The only person that I think it was like, oh, I would gladly take them on our roster right now is uh brazil and he's coming off acl so the only oh, I- guy that i want on arkansas's roster is coming off an acl injury so we'd fit right in with our bigs honestly yeah <laughs> i i thought you were talking from louisville oh, my bad <laughs> oh no no uh and alabama not really moved by yet and then like they have a huge like assistant coaching staff turnover which we've seen ourselves does not always go well yeah, and Grant Nelson might be academically ineligible. Not that I think he's any good. I know you're higher <laughs> on him than me. I'm going to go with my top three. I think Tennessee right now is the number one. 
just because they have more returning than Kentucky. Kentucky has a do and Ugo, and that's it. Um, and the thing is, I think Pels has Tennessee as like his number one team in the country. Yeah, I don't think I would go that far. Um, because I mean, it's Rick Barnes and it's Tennessee basketball, so like they might go undefeated in the regular season. You better watch out that first weekend of the tournament. Um, but I would say right now they're my number one team in the SEC. Kentucky, uh, just like USAC, I'll put the number two just from pure talent alone. Uh, just going to depend on that depth that the, in the front court. My three, I am actually going to go Arkansas. Um, I think that their pieces will work. I think L. Ellis, outside of the dumpster fire that is Louisville, is going to be better. He doesn't have to be a shot chucker in uh, at Arkansas as much. Um, I am interested to see Texas A&M. I think people are starting to kind of figure them out defensively. Like, you just have to shoot threes, just throw it cross-court and sh- shoot a three, and you beat their defense. Um, Florida sort of intrigues me, but not moved. Alabama sort of intrigues me, but not moved. I just, I mean, Eric Musselman's just a good coach. He's not a future Kentucky coach, but he's a good coach. Um, so, yeah. Give me Kentucky number one. I think uh, Tennessee is very, very stinky. I'm a Tennessee disbeliever. Uh, they will not finish top 25 uh, at the end of the season. Um, wow. Number two in wow. the SEC, give me Missouri. Yes, they lost some really good players. They lost Kobe Brown. They lost Demoy Hodge. But I am a Dennis Gates believer. That dude can coach some ball players. Uh, so give Missouri's me playing on Missouri's playing on Wednesday at the SEC tournament. <laughs> okay, give give me Missouri number two, and then my number three. I'm stuck between either South Carolina. I love the portal moves that South Carolina. Like I'm not I'm not joking. I love the portal moves that South Carolina made, and they brought in Austin Hero. I'm, that's a 30 win team oh my God. <laughs> uh, or uh, or Mississippi State Christians big believer all right just as everyone starts to zag Bradley starts to zig thank you all for listening let's go take naps and we get to listen to Bradley's takes in the morning and decide how we feel about them then I'm going to remind you that you just said South Carolina's <laughs> a team in the morning yeah. go cats <laughs> go cats baby thanks for listening Down with the king.